let's just pray. And uh, my message is in two parts. So we're going to share the first part and we're going to take a break and uh, we're going to sing another song. And we'll kind of go back into it again. But let's just pray and um, just give thanks for this, mor- this morning we have together. So, Lord, we just want to give thanks this morning. Lord, thank you for children that would proclaim the word of truth to us. Thank you for children, God. They're a gift from you, and we pray that you would just bless those children. God, thank you for the way that you love them and care for them. And God, I pray that even in their classrooms right now, Lord, that you would just allow them to learn the eternal truths of your word in their own language and way that they learn. God, thank you for the the teachers who week after week give their time and energy to, to train children in the ways of God. And we ask that you would bless their classroom time. Lord, I pray for us at this time as well that you would help us to allow our focus to be upon you. I pray that your word would speak to us. And Lord, I pray that you would just give us clarity of thought. Help me to have clarity of speech as well. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the celebration of Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this week, undoubtedly, you know, we celebrate Christmas. And Christmas is always a time of great preparation, isn't it? It is one of the most busy times of the year for our family. It's going every which way. It's getting presents, and then it's taking stuff back, and it's just it's craziness. Well, my first message, I want to talk about the preparations for Jesus Christ and what that looked like. But first, I want to talk about another kind of preparation that happened here in Highland about a year and a few months ago. The date was October 31st, 2008. The place, Wicker Park, Highland, Indiana. There was preparations going on because at that time and that day, Barack Obama was going to come to Highland. And so in preparation for Barack Obama coming to Highland, there was all kinds of things that had to happen. There was, in my neighborhood, we live across the street from Wicker Park, there was police officers all over the streets. And they actually blocked off our neighborhood. You couldn't get into the neighborhood unless you had, like, an ID showing that you lived in the neighborhood. And you had um, all kinds of tow trucks that were getting ready. So if you, if you somehow got in and you weren't supposed to be there, they are going to tow your car out right away. There was um, all kinds of Secret Service agents in the park, cleaning the park, setting up stands in the middle of, of the, where people were sitting with guns to make sure that everything, everyone was safe. They had huge lines of people. 40,000 people showed up on October 31st at Wicker Park to hear Barack Obama speak. And he wasn't even the president yet, so he was still, you know, running against um, McCain. So there's huge preparation going on everywhere. You couldn't even get near it. I mean, it was, it was unbelievable, the amount of, of work, the, the local police, the state police, the federal agents, and everything that had to happen in, in order for Barack Obama to come and speak for an hour at Wicker Park. And it was a huge thing. It's one of the biggest things that's, that's happened here in Highland. Um, you know, you can read about it on the Internet. But this morning, we're going to talk about the preparations that took place for the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you would turn with me to Luke 2, Luke gives us an understanding of what had to happen in order for Jesus Christ to come into this world 
and the way that it affected the people around Jesus' birth. I'm going to read Luke 2, and we're going to read this through verses 1 through 20. The children did a great job of, of, of reciting it for us already. I'm going to read for it, read us through it again. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were filled with fear, or they were sure afraid, as we learned in the King James when I was a kid. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with an angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which is the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told to them. Setting the stage for the arrival of the king, Mary and Joseph, two young people, if you can imagine with me, Mary going to her family and friends in the town and announcing that she's pregnant, okay? And this isn't just any pregnancy. And they knew she maybe had been seeing Joseph, and she said, I'm pregnant, and I'm pregnant with God's child. You can imagine the people's look. Like, come on, Mary, are you serious? Come on, Mary. No, I'm, I'm serious. This is God's child. I was visited by an angel. I don't know if anyone in the whole town, even her own family, believed her. There must have been some level of, of shame, embarrassment maybe, that people would look on her like, yeah, right, Mary, come on. That's, that's quite a whopper of a tale you're telling there. 
And then for Joseph to come along and say, no, 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 she's right. This is the child of God. People are like, Joseph, come on, what are, you, what are you trying to sell us here? And so for, for Joseph and Mary, what they must have been experiencing at that time, the amount of the opportunity then to go to Bethlehem, probably a welcomed reprieve from all the people who were looking at them and, and probably gossiping about them and talking about them and, and ridiculing them, calling them liars, whatever it may be. This opportunity to escape from Bethlehem, to go, or escape from where they were in Nazareth, to go to Bethlehem. What an opportunity for them to go. And then when they get there, there's no room, and Mary has to give birth in a stable. Now, this could have been something like a cave or some kind of like attachment to the front of the house where the animals were, but nonetheless, it was a stable. And we see in these pictures and in the cartoons or in our just the depiction of what's going on, this nice, you know, clean, fresh hay and this nice like wooden trough and it's it's clean and it's just like this nice, serene, quiet, peaceful night, and it's beautiful. And Mary and Joseph there with smiles and they're happy and it's just great. In reality, guys, they're in a barn. This, the hay is not clean. They couldn't afford, you know, I mean, I, I think if it was me and it was Michelle having to give birth, I'd say, you know what, I will pay for you to go build an attachment on the back of your, like, inn so we can have a place to have his baby. I don't care what the cost is. I'll sell everything I have, but we're not having a baby in a, in a barn. But they were poor. Joseph was just a simple carpenter. They'd make all kinds of money. Didn't have all kinds of means and influence to be able to, to come in and say, guys, I need a room. My wife's having a baby. You need to clear out. I'll give you some extra money to sleep outside so we can be inside. He didn't have any of that. He was born in a dirty, filthy manger. And so Jesus, from his very birth, chooses to identify himself with the poor and the lowly. From his very birth. Now, not only was that with Joseph and Mary, did he identify himself with the poor and lowly, but the shepherds. This announcement to the shepherds, that the shepherds receive this announcement. Walter Leefield writes this about shepherds. Among the occupations, shepherding had a lowly place. Shepherds were considered untrustworthy, and their work made them ceremonially unclean. And because they were out in the field for weeks at a time, they were unable to come back to the temple to be cleansed. So essentially, there was, they were the social outcasts of the society that they were in. They were the outcasts. And when you have a baby, one of the things that you do is you make a list of people that you need to call, right? So Michelle, before she goes into the hospital, we sit down. Who do we need to call? So right after we have this baby, we can tell them that we've had the baby and and the name, and all that kind of good stuff. And so we make this list of people who we're going to call right when we have the baby. And on this list is the people who are most important to us. The people who we think, I've got, this person's important to me. It's my, you know, Michelle's sister. And it's, it's the people who are most important to you in your life. And you make that list, and you, you know, you go about having the baby, and you call these people, and it's this great celebration. And you think about, who is at the top of God's list? 
Who was it that was the first to be notified, the first to be called? Who is the most important on God's list? It was the, it was the social outcasts. It was the rejected. It was the poor. It was the lowly. It was those that society had pushed away and to go do their own thing. That was, at, that was the place that God reached out to people. And I think for us in our own lives, I'm so grateful the Lord had, has done that, has chosen to identify himself with the poor and lonely, has chosen to make himself identified with these people. Because I think I don't come from royal lineage, don't have all kinds of connections and money, don't have all kinds of power and prestige. And yet God came to make himself known to us. He chose us to make himself known. And I want to say there's people sitting here today that it just with the busyness of Christmas and just the, the opportunity for great joy, but also the, the equal opportunity for great brokenness and hurt amongst families and friends and, and ex- expectations for what things could be and just the way things have gone in the past, there's brokenness. And I feel like we have an opportunity this morning to worship God, that He has identified Himself with us, that He has made Himself known to us, that whatever position we've been in, whatever hurt we've experienced, whatever rejection we've had in our lives, God has chosen to make Himself known to us that we would be at the top of his list for declaring the arrival of his son who's most precious to him. And so we're going to sing another song. We're going to sing, Come All You Faithful. Would you please rise as we sing this song and celebrate Jesus Christ. So we looked at the preparations for the coming of the king. Now we're going to look at the birth announcement. Luke 2, 8 through 14. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So the birth announcement is this proclamation of Jesus Christ coming to earth. He says, A Savior is born. Christ the Lord. There's been a gift that has been given. There has been a Savior given for us, for the people of the earth. And we can become so busy with our events and things of this next week that we can forget about this gift, the ultimate gift, the perfect gift. We can become so busy with things. And my desire for us today as a church would be for us to just stop and consider the gift that we have been given by God. And that's Jesus Christ. 
So the angel says, the Savior has been born. There's a proclamation of great joy. Of great joy. This proclamation of good news is of great joy. He says there's a Savior that's going to deliver God's people from their sin. Forgiveness for disobedience. To set us free to serve God. And there's no greater joy than experiencing the forgiveness of God in our lives. When we first came to know Christ and to be forgiven of our sins, there's no greater joy. And there's also no greater joy to know there's a continual forgiveness of our sins as we walk with the Lord in His grace. And for some of us today, that great joy we've never experienced. Instead, we've experienced a futility of, of trying to obey God or do some good things and just never feel like we measure up or never feel like we can experience God's forgiveness. Well, how do we experience that? And for, and for us, it is the forgiveness that we see, receive in Christ Jesus, that his birth brings. He didn't come just to be born, but he came, it says in Luke 19, verse 10, Jesus says this, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And that is why he came. That's the celebration of Christmas. He came to seek and save the lost. That we were those who were lost and needed to be sought after and saved. And that Jesus Christ came to do that for us on our behalf because we couldn't do it on our own. We couldn't give enough, attend church enough, do as many good things we possibly could. We could never measure up. So that's why he sent his son, Jesus Christ. And that is joy. That is a joyful news, a joyful proclamation. We've been forgiven of our sins because of Jesus Christ. When we stop trying to do it on our own, stop trying to be something to please God, instead allowing God to forgive us, realizing that Christ's death on the cross was for our sins, there's a joyful experience in our lives of receiving Christ and his forgiveness. So not only was the angel's proclamation about a savior that is for good news and joy, but they also said this, the angel said, this is for all people. This is for all people. It's not for the select few. This is good news for all people. And this, what they say goes back to the very beginning. In Genesis 12, God is talking to Abraham, and God makes a promise to Abraham. God says this in Genesis 12, 1 through 3. He says, And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God's heart from the very beginning is for all people, not just for a few powerful, rich, or select people. God's heart is from the very beginning for all people. And the message of Christ Jesus knows no racial or ethnic or cultural or national or language barriers. This message of Christmas is for all people. It's not just an American thing or a Jewish thing or an English thing or whatever it is. This is for all people of all times. And the fact that we sit here today, 2,000 years after the fact of this proclamation, is evidence to the truth 
that this is for all people. That this truth is for all people. Now we look at what the angels said, but let's look at what the effect was on the message the angels gave to the, to the shepherds. Luke two fifteen through 20 says this. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. So there is a preparation for Christ in his coming. There is a message that has been given to the shepherds. And now we look at what is the effect that this message has on the people it has come in contact with. So for the shepherds, there was a proclamation to them of Jesus Christ. And it says they went with haste. This is the first Christmas rush, okay? We see in this passage, the first Christmas rush, they went with haste. And this is what they did. They made known, ESV says. NLT says they told everyone. The NIV says they spread the word. There's this proclamation then of what they just saw and heard and of Jesus Christ. So not only were the angels proclaiming it to the shepherds, now the effect of this message is the shepherds then going and proclaiming it to everyone they come in contact with. So it's a proclamation from the shepherds. It also had the effect of great joy. Just like the angel said, they ran off and found Jesus made known to everyone the good news. The Savior is here. We have seen the Savior. We have seen the thing the angels told us about, just as they had told us. There's great joy. Do you think the shepherds were ever the same again after that experience? What an incredible thing to see the Savior. It's not the fact that it was so incredible that they saw angels. It's the fact that they saw the Savior. They saw Jesus Christ. There's a celebration. There's great joy in their hearts. And it's also for the shepherds, and for the proclamation of this message, it's for all people again. Not just for the shepherds, not just for Joseph and Mary, but for all people. And I want us to turn to Revelation 7. It's the, end, the last book in the Bible, Revelation 7. So we see God's heart for all people from the beginning in Genesis. We see God's heart for all people as declared by the angels and specifically to the lowly and the poor. But in Revelation 7, verses 9 and 10, we read this. And this is John talking about the scene that he sees in heaven. He says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. 
He says this, what he saw was from every nation, from all tribes, from all peoples, of all languages. This message that from the very beginning was for all people. And who, when Jesus came, they said, for all people. Now we read at the very end, this truly is a message for all people. This is a message for all people from all nations and all tribes and all languages. And what started with a few shepherds on a hillside as the first Christian era evangelists declaring Jesus Christ, the message of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ has grown and expanded to all the world, all the earth, all worshiping the Lord. So the final result of the good news. So we see the angels declaring this message to the shepherds. It's a proclamation. It's for great joy for all people. The shepherds coming, declaring it to all people with great joy. And the final conclusion of this is in Luke 2, verse 20. This is the conclusion of it all. It says this. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard as had been told to them. Here is the shepherds returning, glorifying and praising God. I read this and think, what is my response to the Christmas message? What is my response? When I think about Christmas, when I think about the reason for Christmas being Jesus Christ, given to us as a gift for the salvation of all people, do I think about this in a way that causes me to celebrate and rejoice and praise God? Or do I hear this message and think, well, you know what? We're busy. We've got places to go. We've got presents to buy. We've got food to prepare. We've got family coming over. And it just kind of gets pushed to the back of all the stuff that's going on in our lives. I think that's the temptation for us all. I think that is the temptation for us all, being living where we live, in the society that we live in, the culture that we live in, It's a temptation of us all. And I I read this and think, if my response is anything but praise and worship to God, when I think about Christmas, then I need to go back to the Lord and say, God, I need you to forgive me. Because my response to the message of Christ Jesus needs to be worship and praise and adoration. It needs to be one that I proclaim it and tell the people with great joy for all people. And you know, so often it's not. It gets lost in the mix of everything else that's going on in this next week or the weeks, weeks leading up to this time. So I want to call us as a church back to this message again. I want to call us back to this message, back to this truth, back to this opportunity to worship the Lord. I think for us it's going to take intentionally focusing on God and remembering that He sent a Savior in Jesus Christ. It's going to be us intentionally focusing on God. It's not just going to come naturally to us, I don't think, because it's going to get so swamped with other things. It's going to be for us in intentionally fighting to make Christ Jesus the Lord of this season, and of this time, and of this week. And so I'm going to close in prayer. And we're going to sing some more songs. And we're going to take communion. But I want us to ask the Lord in our hearts, God, help me to make you Lord of this time and of my whole life. Help me to remember this time of Christmas as an opportunity 
to declare your praises with great joy. So Lord, we come before you this morning. And God, we ask that you would draw our attention back to you again. Let this message for us be a message that is a proclamation to all people. And Lord, that you would fill us with your joy again. And God, we thank you that your message was not just for a few. God, but it was for all people. And that we are, the fact that we are even here today is an evidence of your love for all people. So Lord, thank you for that, God. I pray, help us to worship you with all of our hearts, choosing to focus upon you. In Jesus' name. Amen.